and welcome to Thrift Shop Biography. This is the one about Kelsey Grammer. Thank you for listening. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm, I'm excellent, thanks. Are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. What have you been reading this week? The autobiography of Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, so have I. Mostly famous for being Frasier. Frasier in Cheers and Frasier. In Frasier. I've not watched either of them. Yes, ever. I'm aware of that because I was like, look what I found, can we read it? Like, yeah, no, I'm happy to read it because that's the whole point of doing <laughs> yeah, this podcast is we're re- reading books about people we don't you, know anything about. Yeah, you really don't know anything about him. I don't know anything care. about him. I know everything about him now. Do you like him now? No. Oh, really? Well. It's interesting because I'm reading it as someone who's watched both those things and loved the character, and but you're coming in cold as just this person talking to you about their life. I feel a bit mean saying I don't like him. Nothing in this book made me like him a lot. Mm. Anyway, and what do you th- think about him? <laughs> <laughs> I grew up watching Cheers, and his character is absolutely fantastic. And then I went straight over to Frasier and watched that, and I still continue to watch that, and Cheers, and now the new Frasier's coming out, and I cannot wait to... I'm thoroughly invested in this man. And also, he was in London a few years ago doing a musical called The Big Fish, that's not even listed on his Wikipedia, weirdly, because it was like a trial to see if it would go on into the West End. Went to see it. He was utterly, utterly brilliant. And for the last five minutes, he played this man. He died and all these characters were coming up to him to say goodbye. And I had a seat right at the front round the side and he was weeping through it out. The majority of the audience couldn't see him. Maybe 20 people could see him from the side and he was just standing there weeping. I thought, this man is so amazing and he's so engaged and he's so troubled. It's something about him. Uh-huh. What's happening here? And I wanted to know more about him. And afterwards, we just happened to be standing when he came out within the theatre and he stood and talked to me dad for a bit. Did he really? Yeah, and I was so happy because they were massive Cheers fans and it was them who made me watch Cheers. So I took him to see this and they ended up meeting him and he was so nice. Okay. He says in this book he's always nice to people. He'll always give them the time. I thought, okay, I've just seen so much more to this man weeping and then talking to my dad. I feel really like, who are you actually? You think you know someone when you watch a character that's been consistent for bloody 30 years or something. You don't know him at all. Oh, I didn't know anything about him, but I found out things in this book which kind of shocked me and made me feel very sad. Mm. Rather than talk about it now, shall we just get into his story? Yes. Kelsey Grammer was born in 1955 in the Virgin Islands. Have you been there? No. Neither have I. And then he also had a a sister born 18 months later. His mum and dad, they both studied music. Dad did music theory and mum did voice because he did end up in musical theatre, as you've just said at the beginning. He did. Does he have a nice voice? He has a lovely voice. Have you never even heard the theme tune of Frasier? Oh, what's oh, it called? Oh, baby, salads and scrambled eggs. Yeah, I do know that. That's actually. him singing. Okay. And he also plays the piano. He plays it sometimes in Frasier. Not a lot. He's He is very musical. All right. He was in the original Sunday in the Park with George on Broadway. Stephen Sondheim auditioned him mm-hmm. and said, yep, you've got the job. I mean, that's A seal epic. of approval. Yeah. Yeah. And he was in that with Mandy Patankin as well. So he really has to come up to that level to be in that production. Yeah. Oh, the fact Sondheim gave him the job. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's good. He's really good. <laughs> he's really good. So he was very much encouraged in that field. Mm-hmm. Oh, so what a mixed up childhood he actually had. Mum and dad weren't getting along. He had a younger sister called Karen. Oh, yeah, there's some weird things, right? So his dad's a dodgy character. Yeah. He says once his dad went to fetch a boat to sail it to the Virgin Islands, on that journey, the captain died and was buried at sea and then the boat sank and they were all rescued. That just seems a bit odd. The captain happened to die on that one sailing trip. I don't think it's odd that the captain died. How old was he? I don't know. I think it's weird that they buried him at sea. And then the boat it's sank, like, so like all the evidence, the evidence is gone. Yeah. yeah, I thought, this is highly suspicious. Could they have murdered him? Why and then would... ch- buried him at sea and then sunk the boat to hide the evidence? Anyway, basically, this book's really short yeah. and he doesn't dwell on anything. Mm. And he just skips over everything. So you're, you're left half the time going, hang on, what? 
like that. He just skips over that. And I'm going, that sounds mightily suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, his dad does sound a bit difficult, to say the least, because his mum... They both moved to the Virgin Islands mm. and they have little Kelsey and then Karen not long after. And then within 18 months, they're divorced and mum's left again. Yeah. And dad stays on the island. On the island, dad's got a coffee shop, but he also has a radio station. He runs a magazine. This is someone who I kind know. of is we... very opinionated and he's... Sounds quite arrogant and he's made a lot of enemies. Yeah. So at one point, his bar and grill gets smashed up. Anyway, I think he's a bit of a criminal. So they move to New Jersey and leave the dad behind and they move in with his mum's parents. Yeah. Basically, especially the granddad becomes a real father figure to him. Gordon, yeah. And he calls him by his first name. Yeah. His granddad was military, so I can imagine he was quite strict, although he does sound nice. And his grandma was a flapper. (laughs) (laughs) And his mum always sensed that her mum didn't like her. Yeah, I think the mum as well. The mum never struck out on her own. So it's like she goes off to the Virgin Islands with her husband to have children. And then when they come back to New Jersey, she's living with her parents. And she lives with her parents until her parents then move to Florida and she and the kids move with them. It's like she's not having, she's not establishing her own life. No, she never really She's always relying on other people. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit odd. So she signed him up, aged two, Kelsey Grammer, to Bernstein's youth concerts. By the time there was an opening, he was six. That's how much foresight she had. <laughs> because they're in New Jersey, they could really easily travel into New York. He carried on going to those youth concerts for four years. And his family were Christian scientists. He is very spiritual. I think he's a bit of an odd fish, old Kelsey. He is. He definitely is. Yeah. They always are, aren't they? The interesting ones. The ones who get to write books. Yeah, I guess so. They're very rarely dull. Yeah, his sister, Karen, he realises at some point how much he loves her. Oh, he talks about her so fondly. And I kind of think, is that because of what happens? He really talks about this idyllic childhood and how he they were sledging one day or something and he looked at her and realised how much he loved her. He's only two years older than her. Yeah. And I think I, he's a very sensitive person. Having seen him weeping like that for a full five minutes or longer. I know, but all of this is happening before all of that happens. Yeah, but he still must be a sensitive person. He's a good actor. You have to be cheap. Okay, you have to be yeah. open. But he also talks later about times when he's caught her smoking dope and he's disciplinarian on her. And, you know, he's not, it's not all idyllic. There's some real stuff in there as well. Mm-hmm. It's, he's just got one sister and that's his only family. His dad goes on to have another family and more children. Yeah. But it is essentially just him and his sister. Yeah. And, and his- there is a point where they go to visit the dad and he doesn't even know who he is. His mum said, oh, he looks like a pirate. <laughs> yeah. And when he sees him stride through the airport, he goes, that's my dad. A black beard. Yeah. yeah. And that's the first time he feels some sort of heart fluttering about yeah. having a dad. And they spend a month there visiting him. They have a nice time together, don't they? They have a nice time, it sounds like. It's the only month he really remembers spending with his dad. And then he came to visit another time and he saw his parents dance together. Oh, yeah. And that's when he thought, oh, wow, they really did love each other. Yeah. So then eventually the grandparents moved to Florida and Kelsey's sister and mum go with them. I actually wondered at that point whether the grandparents moved to Florida in to the hope away. that the daughter would stay in New Jersey with the possible. kids. Yeah, they end but up going with them. It's a real thing to retire to Florida, yeah. isn't it? Because yeah. the, the snowbirds, are they call them? It's because they're whitehead and they fly to the warm climates when they're retiring. I also get that you go to Florida... Once you've raised your family and it's your time to retire, which is why I thought they'd done that (laughs) to go without their daughter and her children. But the mum can't exist on her own. No, so she went with them. And the saddest thing of all, after making that move to Florida, six days later, Granddad Gordon died. And it turned out he'd been very ill of cancer. He didn't tell anyone. Didn't tell anyone. Yeah. Ah, it's really sad. Six days later, there's a massive shock to young Kelsey. He's 12 at this point. He's 12 and that's his dad, effectively. Yeah. This is as close as he's got to a dad, by far. And then, 
Very soon after Not that. even a year later. Yeah. His mum picks him up from school. She's looking a bit strange and she says, oh, uh, your dad's been shot and killed. His dad was 38. Yeah. But there, again, like you said, his dad was a bit dodgy. Weird things happened on that island. Yeah. He, he has a lot of enemies. Yeah, dad was outspoken. He had a radio show and a magazine. Yeah. And he was saying a lot of stuff that people disagreed with. But it was a serious hate crime because they put fire all around his house. Yeah. Burned him out and he'd run out and then they'd shot him. So that's Well, they really thought vicious. it was an assassination. But the man who did it was deemed mentally ill. So it was just put down to a crazy guy shooting him and it wasn't investigated. Yeah, but being as he'd had his various other businesses sabotaged, mm. sounds like they pretty much... Oh, no, definitely. He wasn't just shot by a crazy man who made a ring of fire around yeah, his yeah, house. Yeah, There was That's more to Seriously, premeditated, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, another massive shock. It's really gone into his psyche. Yeah. Uh, gosh, he said after Grandad and his dad dying so close to each other, he said life was not to be trusted. And he developed a sense of urgency yes. to get stuff done. Yeah. That's a lot yeah. <laughs> for a 13-year-old. It's almost an anxiety is rooted in there then, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's also quite good, I think, to have that attitude about life, but not to learn it that way, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> personally. Anyway, when he was at school, he was really shy around girls because the girls said, oh, you're really ugly, you're really horrible. And so he went right off them immediately and thought, I'm not putting myself in that line of fire. So he avoided them for a long time. And he took up surfing and meditation. See, he is a a sensitive Yeah, but you know what? Then one day when he was surfing and he went in a big wave come over him, he saw God. (laughs) Yeah. And he actually thought he might have been Jesus. Yeah, he said there was a period of time when he actually wondered if he was Jesus. And it was the not knowing that was doing his head. This is crazy talk. Yeah. yeah, it is quite crazy talk. But he actually felt like he was put on earth for a purpose, to do good or something, and he didn't know what his purpose I was. I think lots of people think they're put on earth. But they earth, don't think they might be but Jesus. they don't think they might be Jesus. He has a massive ego. He's supremely conceited he thinks he's savior of the world i mean he's he's crazy and i'm surprised that he had even admitted to this in his autobiography i think if somebody says they think they might be jesus that's a massive red flag (laughs) and then he goes on to say it was then that he made the decision that he was going to serve mankind Mm. right i totally get this I've read a lot about spirituality myself. People say their lives turned around when they realise they're on earth to serve other people. Oprah is very big on this. Yeah, you're right, though. And then he said, I need to find a way where I can serve mankind. I know I'm going to be an actor. (laughs) I just, what, you don't serve mankind by becoming an actor. You entertain them. Yeah. This, honestly, this is why I went right off him reading this book. Because it's like, you don't serve people while becoming an actor. They're so egotistical. You're just looking for a reason to become an actor. You want to be an actor first. You're not serving people. If you think you're Jesus and you want to serve mankind, then become a charity worker. Go and work in war zones. Go and help orphan children. You don't become an <laughs> actor and do bloody Shakespeare. <laughs> the guy's crazy. He's an idiot. You know what? What? Because I love him so much, but I don't know him. I love his character. It's very confusing. I just didn't even think about any of those thoughts. Oh, I just thought he was going through stuff because he's just lost his father figure. He's he's only a kid. And then his dad's just been shot. I mean, that might set you adrift emotionally. And however you try to process that might be by going all spiritual surfing and thinking of Jesus and talking to God. He is having a crazy time. He's just been through a couple of serious traumas. I'll give him that. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for the purposes (laughs) of this podcast. Well, you know what? He decided he was going to become an actor to serve mankind. (laughs) And he was a good one. And he got a scholarship to Juilliard. Yes. But again, right, here's when I read that, I kind of went off him a bit. Now, he was really surprised when he got a scholarship for Juilliard that it only covered the fees of the school. He couldn't believe that his accommodation and living expenses weren't covered by the scholarship. Why would they be? No, sorry, you have to go and get a part-time job like every other acting student. He thinks he's better than everyone. He does think he's Jesus. He's got a God (laughs) complex. No, it really wound me up. He does, he has ideas above his station at this point and he's basically a teenage 
drama student. Get over yourself. You're very lucky to have a scholarship to Juilliard. And he wants his rent and his food paid for. But was it that he wanted it? Or was it he just thought that that happened and was surprised to find it, it didn't? No, but who thinks that? He did. <laughs> <laughs> There's a point where he meets his agent and he says, I'm going to be an actor of worth. So I need to know that you will stay with me forever. Yeah, no, I don't mind that. That's confidence in your... Yeah, I like that. You have to think that, otherwise you you wouldn't do it. Now, he's at Juilliard the same time as Mandy Patankin and Robin Williams. So it's a golden year, isn't it? Yes. Do you know what? This is a part of the book where I stopped reading and went for a walk because he actually talks about his friends dying and he also has quite a few friends who either ended their own lives or... Yeah. Oh, wrong. the bloke Ray that he talks about was his best friend. He was always going off the rails and getting in trouble. But he straightened his life out because he'd met a woman he loved. And he really had gone straight. And he asked Kelsey to be the best man at his wedding. So that's how close they were. He went to the wedding and six days later, it's six days again, the new wife died in a car crash. And he said he kept phoning, kept phoning his mate, going, please don't kill yourself because I know you'll be thinking about it. Please don't do it. And no, he didn't make it two weeks and he did kill himself. Oh, it's It's awful. I mean, these aren't just ordinary stories. These are really, really heavy stuff that a lot of people would never have to go through. Mm -hmm. Some people do, but he, he had a bad run of it. Oh, and the worst is... His whole life is a bad run of it. Yeah, and the worst is yet to come, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's things like that. Well, we won't dwell on it. He doesn't. He just skips over it all. And when you add it all up, you're like, bloody hell. Actually, do you know what? Like you say, this is possibly the shortest autobiography yes. we've read so far. And it could be because it's just too traumatic. Yeah. He just tells you the facts. Yeah, so, he doesn't so want actually, to get into it. No, it makes you understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and I do feel I do now. But, we don't, yeah, he doesn't want to dwell on any of it. Mm-hmm. So now he's at Juilliard. <laughs> and... He does have to do some work. And he said and he said that classic thing where they spend your first year breaking you down and totally belittling you. I hate that. Yeah. And he went back, but his interest was waning because they'd just broken him. And he'd found love. He'd found a woman he thought he absolutely loved. That happens a lot. Yeah, he could just see the future and thought that he was sorted and then he gave it up and she was really annoyed. Well, actually, he didn't give it up. They let him go. And so they went to Rhode Island for the summer and he got a job in the fish industry. Do you know what I have to say? If you've decided on a surfboard that you're Jesus and you're going to serve mankind and you're going to become an actor, then you get a scholarship to Juilliard. Then you lose interest. Don't give up. Right, I think you're hanging on a little bit to this Jesus thing. Right? All right. So I think he doesn't always think he's going to be Jesus. <laughs> I think no, he, he made a fundamental it. change in his life and then his reason for being afterwards is that he was going to serve mankind and he was going to become yeah. an actor. He got to the <laughs> best drama school yeah. in America. Yes. And he gave up. He lost interest. Well, they let him go. No, he gave up. He did. He, he did. didn't. He did not make the best of that golden opportunity. A scholarship to Juilliard. Come on. Yeah, you're right. The mum phoned and said, your grandma's dying quick. So he ditched everything and went to Florida and she was fine. And then he just ended up staying down there, which just meant they all had Thanksgiving together. And his sister came back and they had a lovely time. Nice. It was really, really good. And he had no idea that would be the last time he ever saw his sister. <sighs> Yeah, she went, she'd gone through a wild patch and then she'd moved to Colorado after that Thanksgiving and said she was going to call on July the 4th, but she didn't. Yes, they got slightly concerned, but not too concerned. Yeah, I guess people weren't in touch as much in 1973. Yeah, of course, yeah. Then they didn't hear from her for a few more days and so they began to get concerned. And they contacted the police... A couple of days later, the police called round and said they'd found a dead body and they wanted Kelsey to go and identify it. And it was his sister. Yeah. And Oh, it's just well, the way he says he, when he told the mum she was springing like a jack-in-a-box. It's just the weird things that the body does in shock. That's really sort of yeah. high impact because it's so bizarre because it's so unnatural. Mm. So, so his sister was 18. Yeah. And she was murdered by essentially some kids. Kids, yeah. She just, yeah, they took her in a van and they all three of them raped her 
and then stabbed her 42 times, mostly from behind, so she was obviously running away. They were 16, 17 and 19, the three of them, and one of them was a serial one. I think it was the eighth or ninth girl they'd killed. Absolutely Absolutely awful. Absolutely horrendous. It's as bad as it gets. So this poor young man, Kelsey Grammer, is only 20, and he's lost a series of people in his life. They've all died in violent ways. And now his beloved younger sister has been brutally raped and murdered. I mean, it's shocking beyond belief. And of course, it turns him into a different person. Oh, yeah, he changes overnight. He curses God now. But he says as well that for a long time, because he felt so helpless because it was his little sister, he said at night he would roam the streets and if he saw anybody kind of hiding in the shadows and stuff, he would go and square up to them. He was almost becoming like a vigilante. You know, you watch those movies. I know, I was actually thinking of Batman when he described that. It's very Batman. He couldn't save his sister, so it's like he's going to avenge her death by going out and getting the bad guys. Yeah, and he said there might have even been part of him that wanted to be killed himself. Yeah, All those people ran away from him. He said they must be something they saw in him mm-hmm. that they knew in his eyes that he wasn't messing around. God, there's <sighs> so much for somebody at the age of 22 to have gone through. I know. It's amazing that he's made his life such a massive success, you know. Yeah, I know. He really, honestly, I would imagine most people who have massive trauma and grief like that at such a young age, I bet they all end up dropping out addicts yeah. and stuff because it's too much to he handle so he thought he needed to become an actor to save mankind but actually acting saved him saved him yeah completely yeah so yeah he got a job in san diego at the old globe theater yeah. 1976 to 78 like in a repertoire of plays of yeah. shakespeare and all sorts and he said that was the school he needed yeah because juilliard was breaking him down and belittling him this just taught him how to act yeah by doing it and they're probably more encouraging. And I also think, you know, drama school is a thing of its own. You actually don't start learning proper until you're on stage in front of an audience, yeah. night after night, especially a repertory company as well, where you're trying lots of different things. I totally get how that made the actor. Yeah, is. two yeah. years in a rep theatre. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh, he started to heal. He actually said to himself, I think I might be able to heal. Because imagine he probably didn't think he could. Mm-hmm. So that's helped him enormously. I think as well, being an actor and becoming different people regularly probably is good therapy if you need to get away from yourself. Of course, it never goes away. So then he starts going out with this actress called Ellen. He was like terribly jealous of everybody else's success. Yeah. Even Kelsey's. He gets a job on a soap, but only because Ellen had an audition. He accompanied Ellen to the audition. The casting director comes out and says to Kelsey, oh, you're a very good looking young man. Are you an actor by any chance? And he says, well, yes, I am. And she says, well, uh, come in and read for the soap. And he gets a part. Of the, it's only a small five line part on a soap called One Life to Live. Ellen is crazy mad Livid. about it because <laughs> it was her audition. Yeah, and, and he's he... like, "You asked me to come to this audition." <laughs> but that's honestly, that's a bit of a stroke of luck for a jobbing actor, isn't it? To yeah. not even be there for the casting director to come out and say, "Oh, you're good looking. Do you want a part in the show?" Yeah, it's great. He was working. They're in in New York City again, back mm. in New York City, mm. and he's working at the Magic Pan as a bus boy, <laughs> and they won't give him time off to do have this five line part in one life to live and so <laughs> his boss says to him i'm sorry but i don't feel you fit into the magic pan family <laughs> <laughs> so he lost his job because he obviously took the soap opera yeah overworking at the magic <laughs> pan what is a magic pan i don't know i'd like to hope it's pizza mm. oh magic pan you know, yeah or pancakes could be back pa- oh yeah Sounds delicious. I, I, I can almost smell it. Magic pan. I fit into that family. <laughs> <laughs> so he does a tiny role on a soap 
And then he signs up with a commercial agent. But this is, again, he knows what he wants to do and he's not with them for long because he doesn't want to do commercials, actually. Wants to be a proper actor. Mm. And so he got an opportunity to go off to do Shakespeare in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. (laughs) Yep, carry on. And he talks about Shakespeare a lot. And he loves Shakespeare. He loves it. His voice is fantastic. And sometimes, like in the old Cheers episode, he'll quote some Shakespeare and Uh. he's just great at it. And then that kind of just leads oh, into yeah. him doing a, a run of a lot of different plays. He's in the mousetrap for a while. Yeah, so he actually then picks up a theatrical agent. So he, he's doing well in the world of theatre. He gets a dog. Goose. He calls it Goose. Yeah. And it's a Malamute. What is a Malamute? It's like, it's a sort of a, one of those Alaskan husky dog type is dogs. It? Yeah. Oh, he he's loves this dog. He's a proper dog. dog and he gets it from when it's a little puppy and they yeah. absolutely bond. They completely oh, love each other. It's a real companion, isn't it's he? It's the best thing that's ever happened to him, really, isn't it? Yeah. Because he doesn't half pick these women. Seriously, some of the behaviour of these women. Years later, when he has therapy, he finds out that he picks women who really, really need him and he only knows love from when he's needed because when his granddad died, he became the man of the house and everyone needed him and they used him. They used him like a dad in Phil and he was only 13. That sort of affected all of his relationships and it's just very unhealthy. Yeah. It's people are neurotic nightmares mostly. They really are, aren't they? Yeah, and it's like Ellen, the one he's with at the moment, she's so jealous of his success. Yeah. He's going from theatre job to theatre job and she's not. He even says if anyone gets a job, any friend of theirs, she'll spend hours ranting and raving. Why didn't I get that? I'm better than them. Yeah. So eventually he dumps her. It's quite obviously not going to work, is it? Yeah. Yeah, he gets a job in the mousetrap in Buffalo and his dog Goose finds snow. He said the most memorable thing of that whole job is a night where they went out walking in the snow and stayed out all night and the dog was like, this is my route. I'm from snow. The dog's so happy. He just stays up. He's going, thank you, Dad, for bringing me to snow. <laughs> it's nice. It tells a lot of really lovely stories about the dog. Yeah, and that endears me to Kelsey Grammer, yeah. knowing that he loves his dog. Yeah. Then I guess he gets his first big job in theatre. He gets an audition to be in a production of Othello. Yeah. With James Earl Jones is playing Othello and Christopher Plummer is playing Iago. Kelsey auditions for the part of Cassio, but he doesn't get it. And he was so sure he was going to get it that it's a real shock when he doesn't because he'd been doing so well. This was the obvious next step of his career. Yeah, and he says, when I think I'm going to get a job, I always get it. Mm. So I couldn't understand this. Oh, that's the right attitude. But then, weirdly, the guy who got the part of Cassio breaks his leg yeah spooky yeah so now kelsey gets the role of cassie hey he breaks his leg that's a bit ironic Break isn't a it? Leg. yeah it is so his career's going really well and he gets this job with christopher Plummer, and he's so excited who's his hero yeah and then he doesn't sound very nice that's one way of putting it <laughs> <laughs> firstly the director's british and he's like oh peter coe yeah. Do we know him? I don't, but... But he's not very nice either. Yeah, the tricks is horrible. And then Christopher Plummer is bullying him. It's like, yeah. oh, he hits a wall and sinks down and Christopher Plummer says, uh, director, I um don't think Kelsey should be doing that. You know, it's so rude. And so um, he says, oh, yes, I think you're right. Kelsey, could you stand over there? And then the next day he goes in to watch Christopher Plummer doing the next scene. Christopher Plummer steals his move. Yeah. Falls against that wall. He's like, yeah. oh, I see. This is a war. He wants to be better than me. He's just pushing me down so he can rise up. And he learns about people being assholes at work and how to fight for your job. And he said, well, I think he does a tour for a year being belittled and bullied yeah. by these bastards one day he just snaps i know it's happened he literally snaps he's landed in a slightly different place in a scene and he needs to be over here so christopher Plummer grabs him and just yanks him so hard he tears a tendon in his ankle which takes ages to mend he's in agony for ages the next time he goes to do it he suddenly realizes that he's dragging him there so he'll be in his light Mm -hmm. and he thinks you absolute bastard so he gets him by the throat in the middle of this show and audibly says fuck you and then grabs him by the crotch 
and throws him into the wings. This is absolutely astounding in the middle of a scene because he's literally just snapped. Anyway, he says from that moment on, Christopher Plummer gave him respect for the rest of the whole tour and the run on Broadway. They actually became friends. I know it's amazing that Kelsey Grammer kind of forgave Christopher Plummer. But I mean, Christopher Plummer is just a bully. That's a typical it's a total bully, bully yeah. that would do that. And then the second somebody stands up to you, yeah. you're all right with them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But he learned so much and he comes up later. He's like, well, I have to fight for my part. I've learned from Christopher Plummer. Yeah, it's interesting. Big learning curve. Can't get it all at drama school, can you? <laughs> you go out on tour with Christopher Plummer. Yeah. So that, that job runs yeah. for a, a long time, right? Yes. And then in 1982, he meets Doreen. Yeah, a nut job. A nut job dancer in, yeah. in 42nd Street. Yeah. Gosh, they got married. He didn't meet her in 42nd Street. She was in the show. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah. They got married three months after meeting. Yeah. He going through a funny phase where he thought, I actually want a family. I want a family of my own. And that will mend me, probably, yeah. he's thinking. So when he meets her, they talk. He says, I don't want a casual affair. I, I actually want kids. And she says, so does she. So they actually sort of scientifically see if we can actually work out if our relationship would work. And we could become almost like an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. Didn't work, though. No, yeah. nightmare. Although, I did like the fact that their wedding cake was three wheels of brie. I like that a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. And they said, oh, it's time to cut the cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, she says they had a completely lovely wedding. And it was really happy and they mm-hmm. were really quite in love. Well, of course. They got married so quickly after yeah. meeting. They're still in the honeymoon period. Yeah, they don't really know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Soon found out, though, didn't they? Yeah. Well, he went off, actually, the day after the wedding. <laughs> Ironically, he, he to went... do wild oats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Oh, I didn't make that connection. Yeah, a restoration play in Santa Fe. Yeah. And he went there for, uh, I don't know for how long. Yeah. And the madness kicked in immediately. She probably knows too much as a dancer. Because yeah, if, you, right. if you're backstage, you know too much about behaviours in shows. Yeah. I mean, he came back from that. And she was a changed woman. Yeah, she wouldn't let him touch her. I know. She said, I don't trust you, I don't know you, you're like a stranger. Do you think she just came to that conclusion herself or did you think oh. she might have heard some gossip or well, something? Well, I, we forgot to mention, they just had a kid. So whilst he was away, their daughter was born, which might mean some of that irrational madness was, was postnatal, postnatal depression. depression. Yeah, could well have been. Yeah. And not letting him touch her. Well, she's just had a baby as well. Yeah. And I don't know. She probably was feeling completely mental. Plus, he actually wasn't there for the birth. He wasn't mm-hmm. there. So you, you might suddenly realise you've married an actor. <laughs> was, yeah, right. Which means they're not going to be there all the time. And, and although you're, you were a dancer, now you're a mother. Yeah. And he's still an actor. Maybe she went through all of that. And that baby was a girl, which they called Spencer. That's what I'm talking about. The only Spencer I've ever heard of as a first name is Spencer Tracy. Oh, he has a girl's surname. But Spencer is a boy's name. It's a bo- Spencer Tracy is a man. Yeah, with, I know. With a girl's surname. <laughs> yeah. I've only just noticed. Man's she- name and a surname. <laughs> so he called his daughter Spencer. Anyway, he does say that he does try to make a new start with Doreen. But she changed all the locks. Yes. Madness. But then when baby Spencer is six days old. Six again. (gasps) Six days old. Doreen goes off on holiday with her friends and leaves the baby. For two weeks. With Kelsey. I had to read that three times. Like Six days old. She has she had some had form depression. of breakdown yeah. after she the baby. She definitely has, yeah. or even before it was born. Why doesn't he realise that? Why hasn't he said in this book she clearly had some kind of breakdown linked to the well, pregnancy it's, it's and brilliant. birth of the baby? Because he's just dealing with it. Because he's just recounting what happened. He suddenly looks after this baby and he absolutely loves it. Yeah. And he talks to Goose, the dog, and the dog's lovely with the baby and they're all happy together, the three of them. Yeah, and he goes off to another acting job in Buffalo and takes the baby. Yeah, he really does become a, a single dad. And yeah. Everyone backstage loves the baby. and I mean, he's a poor actor at this point, so there's no way he's paying for a nanny. He's really mm-hmm. sounds like he's sitting there raising his yeah. child and loves it. He the loves baby it. is in the dressing room with him and when he goes on stage, the wardrobe girl looks after yeah. the baby. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's really... Fulfilling yeah. his obligations as a father. But he's he's loving it, isn't he? He says yeah. he is. 
Yeah. It's really nice. So it's around this time that Cheers is already on TV, right? It's already a hit sitcom. It's had two seasons. Yeah. And then going into the third season, they feel the need to introduce a new character. Yes, the, what's happened, as a fan of Cheers, I can tell you okay. this. There's a barman, Ted Danson, and he's like a jock. And then they bring in this intellectual barmaid. She's like takes the job because she's studying and stuff. And she's a real intellectual snob, but she's completely against her will, attracted to the stud. Is this Shelley Long? Yes. Okay. And so they build that up and she hates him and he hates her, but they're sort of attracted to each other. In the second series, they're together. But you can't, it's not a relationship show. It's a comedy and you just nowhere to go. So they had to break them up. So they brought in Frasier for the beginning of the third series to show that when they had a temporary break at the end of the second series, she'd gone off for therapy and her psychiatrist was Frasier and she'd fallen in love and they go back to the bar but she's still attracted to Sam so there's this whole love triangle Uh, it's so much more interesting he was only supposed to do seven episodes what I thought was interesting about the casting of Frasier is they really looked extensively and they'd exhausted all of the actors in LA so they saw a lot of people they wanted John Lithgow ah did they yeah that was their first choice They um, couldn't find the person. So the casting people went to New York. They were out to lunch with Mandy Patankin. And he says, you need to meet my friend Kelsey Grammer. Well, the rest is history. Yeah, as soon as he reads for it, he gets it. Because he totally relates to this person. Yeah, and you're right. That character was intended for seven episodes. And he knows that the way to stay in is by being really interesting. The writing's amazing. It's Les and Glenn Charles mm-hmm. and the directors, James Burroughs. They did Taxi, then they did Cheers, then they did Frasier. They're geniuses. The writing is the genius of it all. But he says he can take any line and find the humour in it. Yeah. And then Shelley Long was bullying him. She really was. Yeah, I didn't kind of get why. Well, he says later that he realises she was fighting for her character. She thought Sam and Diane belonged together, the characters. She didn't want his character to interfere, so it wasn't personal. Okay. She she wasn't seeing the bigger picture because it it couldn't have gone on like that. So I think that was why, but to the point where she got up at the Golden Globes and told the world on live TV that she was miserable at work and it was Frasier's fault. Yeah, I know. That's odd, I think. Yeah, and he was kind of like saying to the producers, you still want me to ignore this? (laughs) But then he said she actually saved his job because the writers then... Because she kept cutting all his funny bits and the writers then were taking bets on if he could take this tiny unfunny line and still get a laugh. And he always he did. Always and they did, just ended yeah. up loving him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they kept him. The rest is history. Well, he outlasted her because she oh, left, yeah. didn't she? Yeah, they got Rebecca Howen, who's Kirsty Alley. Kirsty Alley, yeah. Who's also brilliant. In and there. then the old coach died and they got in um, Woody Harlson, who was this fresh... They're just, it's genius. You've got Rhea Perlman. Oh, they're just brilliant characters. George Wentz, you'll know him. Yeah. He's in Spice World. Yeah. <laughs> that was his defining role. Yeah, to me. And then Norm, who's quite good as Norm. I mean, yeah, love a book. One day, if you ever have time, you'll never have time. Cheers is genius. Mm-hmm. So he, he is now a fixture in one of the biggest TV yeah. comedies in history, really. Yeah, and at the exact same time, as seems to be normal, he's becomes a massive coke addict and alcoholic. Yeah. And yet he's so happy at work. Very Matt Perry. Yeah, this know. really drew a parallel a with total Matthew parallel, Perry. isn't it? The point yeah. where he's happiest at work, he's the most unhappiest out of work. But also, like Matthew Perry, he says that the whole Cheers family kind of all got together yeah. and did an intervention, really, yeah. and said to him, you've got to go and get help. Yeah, and a small so. part of it was actually dealing with the instant fame. Nobody's equipped to deal with the reality of that, it sounds like. But also money. And money. And access. You yeah, know, all yeah. of a sudden he's in an industry where it's really easy to yeah. get certain things. Yeah. Yeah, so he does really skip over that. Yeah, I mean, you know, he did go off the rails. He got done for drunk driving. He got done for possession of cocaine. I mean, he went to jail. This isn't just like a a recreational habit. It's causing massive problems in his life. And he said, oh, because he's got this another nut job girlfriend, Sirlet, this time. Oh, my God. And he said that the time he spent in jail was the most peaceful time he'd (laughs) ever had. And it's exactly what he needed. 
He just didn't have anyone bothering him. <laughs> no one nagging him. He could just read. He had one inmate who was lovely and they played cards. And... Right, if jail is a respite, you've got to worry. Yeah. Bloody hell. So, yeah, he got done for drink driving at this point. And <laughs> his girlfriend was in the car. She insisted he drove. He kept saying, I can't drive. Get a taxi. You've got to drive me. You've got to drive me. Then he got pulled over. She started wailing. It's all my fault. And that's why they pulled him over. Good Lord. He got busted with drugs. That's what took him to jail. Yeah, he bought a house and she's like, oh, great, we're moving into the house. He's like, oh, we need to have a little talk. <laughs> you not come in. But Salette was the one who, when he was away and she was at home looking after this Goose. Is bad. She took Goose out for a walk one day. What, was she high or something? Anyway. She said she, she took him to work because she liked the company. Then they all went off for lunch. When they came back, dog was gone. He was gone. Goose, that amazing dog, his... The love of his life. Yeah. Just ran away from that stupid woman. And she had to come home and tell Kelsey Grammer. You could tell he was devastated. I thought he was quite pragmatic about it in the book, actually. Well, and didn't seem to blame her. Gosh, that's just another level of grief for him, isn't yes. it? Yes. He said that the job was miles away from where they lived, so there was no way yeah, he'd ever he found the way home. Him. But he never, ever saw his dog again. And he said it's completely different. And yet it's kind of similar to his sister's loss. Yeah. In that he always thinks about that dog for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. And the same as he thinks about his sister every day. And he he stayed with that girlfriend and he went to lengths to make her not feel responsible for that. Yeah. I'd have booted her out straight away. Yeah, I know. Reading that, I was like... I'm not sure I could have stayed with that person. I know that she felt bad, but I don't know how you'd get past that. Essentially, he probably didn't, and that's yeah, probably well, why it went last, sour for a yeah. long time. Because then, of course, he had to split up with her because he met that nice stripper. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> oh, you're just falling into all the traps, aren't you? Just He actually did say, oh, I fell into it, hook, line and sinker, because she pretended not to know who he was and said it didn't matter. Good Lord, obviously she's very sexy. Uh, yeah, that will be what that was all about. So what happened with Leanne, the stripper? Oh, well, it, she's the one who became abusive. She it, beat it him up, It was verbal right? as well, like, you're ugly, you're worthless, you're nothing. He said he got that syndrome where you stay because you partly believe everything they say, and then also you, you think you can fix it. All of that was going on. Oh, go on. Black eyes. I mean, she probably was a battered spouse. Yeah. Then he went to therapy. And nine months after marriage, because, yes, they got married. Of course they got married. Why wouldn't (sighs) you marry an abusive stripper? (laughs) Because you're on coke and you're drunk and you're a mess. His life's a mess. No, his life is a real mess at this point because he's married Leanne, the stripper. But also, he then, the makeup artist, Barry, has his baby. By the way, who's a woman? Yeah. I mean, come on, (laughs) what the... Barry! Oh, they've all the women have got men's names in this book. I just can't comprehend it. I think we're a bit more <laughs> gender-specific in Britain. With names. They seem to just toss yeah. around gender names all over the shop in America. <laughs> Bloody hell. Barry had his child, so she was definitely a woman. Yeah. She gave birth to Candace, Candace with a K. Yeah. And they were just really good friends, and he continued his relationship with Leanne, so that might have helped the abuse, I guess. She might not have been very happy. Yeah, right. And so he's really making a mess of things. It just must have been, if you are married to an abusive stripper, to have to go and tell her that your makeup lady oh, has just Christ. had your baby. That cannot have been a good That's scenario. not going to go down well, yeah. is it? Stay on the drugs while that's happening. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, cheers had finished at this time. Very much. What are we? We're early 90s, right? We're yeah, 92. Okay. And he'd already been talking for three years about doing a follow-up with him because they loved him so much. The writers loved him. Yeah. So, yeah, he was the only one who got a follow-up show. It wasn't always going to be the character of Fraser, No, they though, just right? wanted to do anything with him. With him. And they tried yeah. this and that, and then they were like, look, you've got a tried and tested character. We can write around that, and the audience is built in. Why don't we just... So, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they worked out he's got this dad who was a policeman. Even though in Cheers, his dad had died and he didn't have a brother, they just said, never mind. Yeah, the dad was in an episode of Cheers and he'd clocked him as a good actor, so he got him in because of that. Just one. 
and David Hyde Pierce's Niles. He's musical theatre as well. And uh, he did Hello Dolly with Bette Midler, and I saw that. Did you? Yes. Anyway, the assortment of people they put together was perfect because it's all in the casting, isn't it? It is all in the casting, which was very sad for a young actress called Lisa Kudrow. Who didn't get Roz? So she filmed the pilot, and I was waiting because I knew this story. Lisa Kudrow is Phoebe from Friends, but I knew that she had played the character of Roz in the pilot of Frasier, and I was waiting for it to come up in this book. And all Kelsey Grammer says was that a talented actress played Roz, but it just didn't work out. Right. Who must have been devastated. But anyway, I think this is a bit like the Spice Girls thing about the group of people, the chemistry. it very much is. In the pilot, they realised Phoebe, Lisa Kudrow, didn't work out. Got Perry Gilpin. Yeah, in to play Roz, yeah. that's the chemistry that made that one of the most successful shows yeah. on TV. Yeah, yeah, freeing up Lisa to be in Friends. Yeah, they don't do those things lightly. Oh, no, my God. And also, I think the person who cast Lisa Kudrow as Roz in Frasier then actually cast her for Phoebe and Friends because they were talking about this character and thinking, oh, that woman with the ethereal quality that wasn't yeah. right for Roz, it would and be perfect funny. for Phoebe. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that they didn't like her, she just wasn't wasn't right. right. Yeah, and this Roz is right. Everyone's right. They're so perfect, and that's why it's still running now. Absolute genius. It's so good. Yeah, so Fraser's a hit from the beginning. They got a standing ovation with the studio audience at the pilot, and he said he'd never heard of that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, he mentions. He briefly mentions some stuff. He'd filed for divorce. Well, he divorces the abusive stripper, right? Yeah, but he mentions this half-brother John Grammer and the massive scandal, and I've written it down to Google it, and I hadn't done yeah, it. Yeah, oh, I have. He says, oh, yeah, what happened? Okay. <laughs> this is what happened. Yes. So this is already towards the end of the book, yes. right? So Fraser's now a big thing. He divorces Leanne, the abusive stripper. He meets Tammy singing, because, of course, he's got to meet another woman yeah, immediately. immediately. And she's and- lovely. Tammy singing That's going to be the woman for the rest of his life at the end of this book. Yeah, but it's not. They no, because I Google that. She's, she's not even on the list. Yeah, they don't even <laughs> get married. But the reason being is because he didn't rush into it with Tammy, no, actually. No, he went for more therapy to sort yeah. himself out. And then towards the end of this book, he alludes to this girl, this episode with this girl. Well, actually, the internet tells me allegedly, he was charged with having sexual relations with his daughter's underage nanny. And it all went to court, but it all hinged on the fact that the young girl had taken a year to report it. So that just led to difficulties and things being verified and stuff and no charges were pressed. Charges, What's no, got hang to on. do with his half-brother, John? His brother, I think, sold a story about this whole episode to the tabloid press. That's the problem. But if he didn't want us to know about any of that, then no. don't. Because obviously, if you write that in, in your autobiography, we're going to go yeah. look in. And he said, we did not do anything wrong, but I can't talk about it. Basically, that's pretty much the end of the book because it ends around there. Yeah. And I don't think he'll ever write a follow-up because it's so sad. His life's very sad. And I have absolutely no clue whether he is still on drugs or whatever. Wikipedia tells me he's had further cocaine prosecutions and stuff. Right. So. He's um, probably struggling. If he is still struggling, he's coping because he's in his mid-60s now and he's got another hit show. Yeah, he's very fit. He's he's making it work for himself. He's often naked pretty much in um, Frasier, you know, with holding a jug, you know, comedy naked often. He's very fit. He's never let himself go. Well, here's another thing. Like, he could be addicted to cocaine, but what he can do is be on cocaine, but actually turn in a really brilliant performance at work. Mm. So he can manage his addiction, you know, and actually... Functioning addict. Yeah, the only things that cocaine has done to him is he gets caught and he gets prosecuted. Yeah. It's not like he's personally going off the rails and he seems to be physically coping with his his addictions well. He's He's had a couple more marriages... Oh, God, he doesn't ever stop And he's had married. bloody loads of kids. Yeah, I think he's got six it, or seven He's only had point. two at the end of that book, Yeah, and he really loves them. His latest girlfriend was an f- English flight attendant, 25 years his junior, and he's had three kids with her. I wonder where they met. The Mile High Club. <laughs> it's got to be, hasn't it? I mean, he's kind of done more 
since this book ended than he'd done it because for most of his professional life in this book he's either on Cheers or Frasier yeah I mean Frasier ran till not that long ago and then he came to Britain and did Man of the Mantua he's called at the London Coliseum and then that play I saw Big Fish but he's also in like X-Men films and stuff oh, as well oh I had no idea he'd done that stuff his voice oh he's the voice of the Crossy the Clown. No, he's not Crossy. Sideshow he's Bob. Sideshow Bob. Yeah. It's just what a voice. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And that's a class performance, that is. Yeah. Say so he's done all right. He's done loads of yeah. work. But like we say, it doesn't make you happy, we say, after Matthew Perry episode. It's, it's probably saves his life. Yeah, but like looking at his life and seeing that he's continued to get married and have kids, I don't think he's ever going to change, but it seems to be right. working for him. But I just think it's a massive reaction to that huge amount of grief he had as yeah. a young man. Yeah. He just keeps moving and, and the it dog keeps changing. on top of it all. Yeah. It kills me. Because, you know, at least if your dog died in your arms, you've got some closure, but never knowing what happened to it, wandering about what... Oh, it'll just be playing in the snow. It'll be fine. Don't torture yourself. You know what I mean? But that's that's what you've got to go through. It will never leave you. Yeah. Does the dog feel abandoned? That's that's absolutely traumatic. Oh, no. I'm pretty sure Goose oh. would have found another family who looked after yeah, him very, yeah. very well. That's how traumatic it is. You've got to put a conclusion on it because you can't cope with the reality What, you want me to it? say it got hit by a truck? No, or it wandered around starving for it. You, no, I don't want you to say anything about the dog. That's how bad it is, though, isn't it? Yeah. All so of it, do, all do, of it is horrendous. So do you... traumas. Uh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> so you, do you still like him? Yeah. I, I'm very intrigued by this very complex character who's had a lot of trauma. I'm amazed by his talent because he's brilliant at his job. You can imagine you know somebody by a character they play because they play it so well over, what, it's like 30 years or more, and you don't know them at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that he served mankind very well with his sitcom appearances. Yeah. I feel really served by him. Do you? In fact, I think about him second only to Jesus. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Thrift Shop Biography. We love making this podcast and we're absolutely thrilled that so many of you are already listening. You could really help us out by leaving us a review somewhere, wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you could share us, tell your friends about us or drop some links on social media. We have a Facebook page called Thrift Shop Biography. So make sure you come over there to hear about the episodes first and what else we're up to. OK, see you next week. And if you're new here, there are loads more episodes now to go and listen in the back catalogue. So make sure you go and enjoy them. Okay, thank you very much.